Welcome, everybody, to episode four of the Stories and Wisdom podcast. Me and Troy are so glad that you are back here to listen to us again. Hello. <laughs> uh, Today, we had uh, the honor of talking to Dr. Jason Gunter. And uh, yeah. a little bit about him uh, before we get into the conversation. Dr. Gunter has been a licensed psychologist in Oklahoma since 2006. He uh, got his doctorates of counseling psychology at OU. He's also been internationally trained to treat uh, OCD and anxiety disorders. Um, And since uh, he finished all this training, uh, since uh, for almost over 15 years now, he has worked in... Uh, private practices from physical rehab facilities to psych wards to university counseling centers to community agencies and he now works at a, uh, a counseling center up on the north side of the city wow and so awesome. uh, what a man yeah he he's really cool i really love talking to him he every time i talk to him i feel ah, just calm yeah. you know serene he has a great podcast he has a voice. great voice yeah it's like it's at that perfect level where it's like not too deep, but it's like just yeah. velvety enough that you're like, wow, I could fall asleep to this. It caught me off guard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I'm listening back to this, I probably will fall asleep to it. Just so. Not not because he's boring, but because he's soothing. No, yeah. Soothing. Well, I, I listen to podcasts before I fall asleep. I like falling asleep to people talking. No. Well, now that you know who we're talking to and what we're talking about, let's get into this conversation. So, Dr. Gunter, if you would start out just by telling us, what are we going to talk about today? Today we're going to talk about forgiveness, which is a big topic, but just in a simple word, forgiveness. Awesome. There we go. Um, so, I have, uh, I've learned recently that sometimes I have troubles with forgiveness and mm-hmm. grudges, and um, I... I tell myself that I have forgiven someone before I actually forgive them just to continue the relationship for the sake of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So this will be interesting to hear from you today on how can Joshua do better in relationships going forward, actually sitting in those places and forgiving. And, you know, if there's any exes listening to this, they get some interesting scoops on me. But uh, <laughs> no. Troy, what do you think about forgiveness? Um, it's hard. <laughs> that's all there I we know. go all right that's yeah. the episode yeah, that's right. it let's wrap it up <laughs> no i uh yeah i've had experiences in my life where people have like actually hurt me wronged me and mm-hmm. uh has taken a really long time to come to a place where i recognize like okay it's a two-way street right it's it's they did something wrong but also they were acting maybe in the best possible way that they thought they could this they did something that made sense to them and so i have to have empathy for that doesn't make it right but understand that like it's okay but it takes me a really really long time um like the last time i kind of felt that way it took me like a year to really finally come around to a point where i was like yeah i actually hold no resentment for them and then we became friends again hmm. 
and it was super healing and it was out of nowhere and it was uh a weird moment where i was like oh this is reconciliation Hmm. it doesn't have to be like a whole conversation it doesn't have to be anything big or grand it was just we talked in the hall at school that's it Yeah. yeah and i was like wow okay this is what this looks like so that's that's been interesting too for me so those are my quick thoughts on forgiveness but i'm curious what what you think and what you have for us today jason well i mean <clears throat> there's so many ways to go with forgiveness um part of the reason it is so important to me in my work uh, therapeutically uh, there's there's two different dynamics that i often see uh, one is uh, like both of you mentioned, this struggle with, okay, how do I forgive? The idea of, it, you know, it keeps popping up. What do I do with that? Does that mean that I haven't really forgiven? Mm. Um, and then there's also the dynamic of pushing people to forgive too fast. Uh, I, I think there is a, there's a process with forgiveness, and while... The command to forgive is so clear from Christ to us. Um, what that looks like in the process is sometimes different than people expect. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the uh, one of the things I do want to kind of hear you just start out is what actually forgiveness is. Of like you know on a whatever basis you understand it, like what actually is forgiveness. The simplest definition for me is forgiveness is letting go of that right to get even. Mm-hmm. It's it's letting go of this what what feels like a right that I want to make the other person pay, uh, and it's a, a setting aside of of that attitude uh, of that desire of that intent in your heart that. The other person needs to pay for what they did, setting it aside. To me, yeah. that's that's the simplest definition of forgiveness. Yeah. So even within that, I know that before we uh, recorded this, one of the things we talked about is the difference between healthy forgiveness and like true forgiveness and like unhealthy forgiveness. What is that line for you of when is forgiveness healthy and not healthy? So if it would be okay, I want to I want to go into a, a model of forgiveness. Okay. Uh, there's there's a psychologist. Um, I believe he's retired now. His name's Doctor uh, Doctor Everett Worthington out of uh, the University of Virginia Commonwealth, who studied forgiveness for decades. Uh, and what I love about him is. He had studied forgiveness for so long, and about 15 years into his research, his mother was murdered. Wow. Uh, and as he talks about in his book, you know, this idea that he had been researching and wrestling with and theorizing about became real in a way that, you know, that you just can't imagine. It was a very senseless act. It wasn't, you know, oftentimes situations like that or family members or there's a relationship. You know, this was just a random act of someone breaking in and murdering uh, his mother. They were caught and him having to deal with his forgiveness towards the offender. Uh, 
Um, from his research, though, he came up with a model called the 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 reach method of of forgiveness. And to me, it it speaks so powerfully to what what it looks like to forgive in a healthy way. So the very first part of this model of reach uh, is R, which means recall. Mm -hmm. And that's starting with identifying what is it that you're forgiving. Sometimes in pushing people to forgive, um, we rush over the fact of we need to pause and think, what is it that I'm wanting to forgive this person for? What is the offense? I'm going to stop, reflect. What is it that really happened um, that I'm going to forgive? Uh, so that you have an identified, you know, whether it's a behavior or an attitude. It, it could be a pattern because it's not always just one event. It can, mm -hmm. it can be uh, an ongoing, but it's what specifically am I forgiving? So that's R. E, and this is the probably the most misunderstood part, is empathize, which, Troy, you mentioned that, is to empathize with the offender. To empathize, of course, means to put yourself in their shoes or at least to be able to imagine what they might be going through. Empathy does not mean you are justifying. Empathy does not mean you're saying, well, they had a good reason to do it. Empathy is a way of no longer seeing the person as a monster. Mm. I'm not going to see you as inhuman. I'm going to humanize you and understand where you might be coming from. Yeah. Now, immediately you could think of some situations where it's like, okay, but I don't know how I would even empathize you know, using the example I gave of, of someone murdering my mother. how It's not like, you know, oh, well, I understand having a bad day. <laughs> no, it, it's yeah. not like that. But again, it's this idea of saying this person is a human, and no matter how evil what they did, I have to humanize them. Because if I'm going to see them as only a monster, um, it's really going to affect my heart it's going to create a bitterness there um, that that is not good so oftentimes for more involved kind of situations we'll have people even write a letter sometimes as if they were the other person kind of explaining again not excusing but explaining what might have been going on in their life sometimes we just have to theorize sometimes we know if it's someone we're close to we might know other things going on in their life but sometimes it, it's guessing, but at the heart of it, it's humanizing the other person. So that's the R, the E, then the A. This is the part that doesn't flow as well, but it's altruistic gift of forgiveness. Once you've identified the offense, you've humanized the person, then it's asking yourself, can I give this person, am I willing to give this person the gift of forgiveness for their benefit. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've often heard it said about forgiveness that um, bitterness is is like holding on to a scalding hot rock with the hope of one day throwing it at the person. <laughs> you know, it, it just it, it, you're burning your hand while while you know you're waiting to throw it. 
And is there a benefit to us when we forgive? Absolutely. Uh, it does provide a, a freedom, um, but there is something that is more profound about I'm forgiving you for your benefit. I am doing it. Um, yes, it releases me, but I want you to be released as well. And there is something profound about that being your motivation, the benefit of the other person. Yeah, that just allows that forgiveness to go deeper. And, and oftentimes when I'm working with people in a counseling setting, we'll come to this point and they'll be like, I'm not sure if I can fully forgive them. And I'm like, that's okay. How much can you forgive them? Because mm -hmm. I think sometimes when the hurt is deep, because there's, yeah. some, there's some deep hurts out there, it's, you know what, I feel like I can forgive them 30%. Okay, great. You know, almost like uh, the man who said to Jesus, you know, I believe, help my unbelief. Like, God, I could forgive them 20%. Help me in this other 80%. Yeah. yeah. As is almost giving, you know, mm. cracking the door to allow God to, to build on that. Mm. So that's, that's the third part, the altruistic gift. Um, R-E-A, i got to spell this out. <laughs> uh, C is commit to forgive. Hmm. And that's the idea that, okay, I decide through prayer and my own reflection, I'm going to forgive this person. Well, you want to express it in some way, not just keep it here in your mind, in your heart, but to um, maybe it's just writing it out to say, okay, today I choose to forgive Josh. And I, I, and I write it out. Maybe I write it in my Bible or a journal. It, Depending on the relationship, it may be me telling you, you know, hey, I want you to know that, that I forgive you. It may involve telling a friend, but somehow making that commitment. And, and for some people, uh, something symbolic is helpful, like, um, you know, have, finding a, a stone that you keep that represents, you know, this reminds me I have forgiven them. And that then brings us to that last point. And Josh, this taps into what you're saying, the H. So R-E-A-C-H. Hold on to forgiveness. I think this is one of those parts that we don't think about within the church. Um, my least favorite phrase is forgive and forget. Mm. Forgetting just does not happen. That's, yeah. that's not how we're <laughs> wired. We're wired to remember pain. Um, that that's not something we can control. We can't control whether I remember it. You get hurt, you remember it. That's just part of, you know, touch a hot stove, you remember. I don't want to touch a hot stove again. <laughs> yeah. There, yeah. So there's no way of, of for, there's nothing that commands us to forget. Hmm. And so a crucial part is this idea of holding on to forgiveness, of reminding ourselves I have forgiven this person so that even though, Josh, I keep picking on you, you know, <laughs> that I've forgiven you and, but I see you a month later and that memory comes up in my mind. I'm like, oh, and I say, no, I committed to forgiving him and I forgive him. Mm. It's this idea of sometimes it's not necessarily forgiving you over and over as much as it is kind of reminding ourselves and kind of refreshing no no remember i chose to forgive him and i'm going to continue to live in that and to me 
that is so important for Christians to hear because they fear, okay, I've forgiven them, but man, then I have this rush of feelings. Well, that, that rush of feelings doesn't mean you haven't forgiven them. It means you were hurt. Use that just to remind yourself, no, I continue to forgive them. I continue to offer that to them. Uh, and so yeah, that's reach. Wow. wow. That was very good. Awesome. So recall, empathize, altruistic gift, commit, and hold on. Hold on. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. Wow. I have so many th- questions and thoughts in my yeah. head. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But I think, Josh, you have a question, right? Um, I do. One of the, uh, so the w- one question I was going to ask is, you know, how do you feel about forgive and forget? But you you covered that pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I don't, it actually, um, in, in preparation for this, I actually looked up because I realized I don't even know where that comes from. Uh, it is in, there's, there's a quote in Shakespeare mm. uh, where that phrase is used. And then there was one other ancient writer uh, I, I can't remember it now. Uh, so somehow I think it's just an ancient literature phrase yeah. that then has just become. And I hear people say it all the time, even in in, in therapy. People say, "I know I'm supposed to forgive and forget," and I'm like, the, the, "That is not." <laughs> yes, we are to forgive as Christians. Yeah. That that is at the heart uh, of who we are as believers: forgiveness. But forget the idea of. I need to forget it. Yeah. What's the uh, What's the scripture where God talks about forgiving and throwing? Yeah. Uh, um, all he, your bad he, deeds and He cast your sins as far as ways the east is from the west. Yeah. Right. So when yeah. you were saying that, I was thinking that um, potentially, I mean, within Christendom, mm-hmm. right? This idea of trying to be Christ-like. Well, if God does that, then then maybe we can sort of take on that aspect. But I think it's really interesting that you brought that up because maybe that's not an aspect of God that we're supposed to yeah. enter into completely. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cause I cannot, I can't think of any other place. It talks about God being that way. Yeah. Yeah. But cause obviously it's clear that we're supposed to forgive. We're supposed to right. forgive. And it is true that we need to hold on to that forgiveness and that you may have to, Remind yourself of that yeah. forgiveness and and live into that forgiveness. So, to that extent, yes. But the idea of you better make sure you don't think of it again. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. That's we yeah. we don't have control over the thoughts that will pop back up into to our memory. And again, particularly the deeper the pain, mm. it's just. It's in there. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times that I, I believe God sets people free from that, so it just does not yeah. burden them. But just as many things in life, some things he immediately takes away. Some things are there as a process, and we, we're continually having to hand it over to him. Yeah, I uh, I constantly feel guilty when I'm not able to just completely forgive. Mm. And so I think your way of describing it as like, percentile or as a process i think is really interesting like i think that that is that helps me if thinking about it as like well okay maybe i can't forgive this person for entirely what they've done but maybe i could give them 15 percent. maybe i could give them 30 percent. maybe i can meet them halfway in this sort sort of like conceptual idea of forgiveness but that that really helps me i feel like that is a very practical way Mm -hmm. and a, a healthier way of viewing it i think because 
I think with Christianity, because forgiveness is a mandate for us, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people like myself feel that guilt of like, well, if God doesn't take it away, then, you know, I'm not, you know, maybe authentic enough or I'm not being vulnerable enough when, you know, I'm trying really hard to forgive. I'm trying really hard to show up and say like, God, like heal me from this and it's not happening. Yeah. And maybe God is trying to meet us in that process and say, okay, well you need to, you need to forgive this person 20% and I'm going to meet you in that and we're going to work towards full healing, but it's going to, take a minute yeah. because there's some things you need to learn or there's some things I need to teach you or I don't know. So I think that that is a really, really awesome way of, of viewing it. And I've never thought about it like that before. Yeah. And the other thing that, that comes to mind and this is really a, a whole separate topic is, you know, in the, the topic of, of abuse, people who have gone through, you know, and I'm thinking childhood abuse and things like that. Sometimes some well-meaning Christians will run in and want to say to the person, well, you need to forgive the offender. And uh, I totally believe that is part of the process. But one of the things working with people who have been in those sort of abusive situations or those sort of hurtful situations that people don't realize is so often people in abusive situations assume they're the one to blame. Mm-hmm. they're the one who, you know, if I hadn't have done this, I wouldn't have been abused. I would not have had that happen to me. And so when you rush to forgiveness, it, it, almost it, it, it's as if you're focused on, hey, you did wrong, you need to fix it, um, as opposed to the fact that, no, they need to, first of all, recognize what is it that was wrong so this is goes back to that our part of recalling and helping the person who was the victim of abuse realize who actually was responsible here Mm. and that's that's them so when you rush to abuse i mean rush to for push a person who's been abused to forgiveness they haven't even settled in their heart who's responsible they're still blaming themselves and so that's why Again, while forgiveness is what we are called to with certain hurts, you've got to go through a process to help a person even be close to ready to be able to let go of that bitterness because they're still blaming themselves. They think they're at fault. Yeah, so um, a little sneak peek into Troy and what I (laughs) brought up earlier um, with my example at the beginning. So I had um, some church hurt Mm -hmm. growing up uh, and... Um, when I got to college, there was this particular instance where um, I felt wronged by uh, one of my friends, um, and it almost, uh, it, it did, it triggered me in this idea of being hurt by the church again. Mm. And I realized that I had placed that experience and those feelings that I had never really let myself process through onto this person. Mm. And so not only was my uh, anger and my unwillingness to forgive this person around the actions that they did do to me that were wrong. But then also it was this hurt that I had and it reminded me of it. And so I placed it on them and it wasn't until like months later that I was finally able to sort of pull those two things apart and realize like, okay, so that church hurt, not even about them, Mm. not even related to them. It brought it up. So now I need to get <laughs> now I need to talk about that in therapy. Sure. <laughs> and then also I need to work through the actual thing that they did to me mm-hmm. that was, you know, hurtful. 
Um, but it took me a really long time to get there. And so I think what you're talking about is really interesting in that idea of sometimes it takes a while to actually pull apart bits and pieces of your feeling towards things to really real to really um, focus in on what is going on in particular situations. So yeah. I think that's really profound. And I, I don't know if we do that well enough in the church specifically. So I don't know if you want to speak to that or not, but well, part of what you're talking about and, and, uh, Dr. Uh, Worthington talks about this in his book, the idea that there are different kind of hurts, and, and he uses money. He's like, there's 25-cent hurts, mm-hmm. you know, there's $5 hurts, there's $100 hurts, there's million-dollar hurts. That It is interesting that the different types of hurts need, they all need forgiveness, but what that process looks like is going to be different, you know, because for some lower amount, it's funny to quantify it that way, but <laughs> but lower level hurts, they can, you know, I don't have to go through the, really the think through the reach process to, yeah. you know, for, you know, if my wife does something and then apologizes, I don't have to be, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm able to just, you know, I'm able to forgive her. Uh, but some bigger, deeper, longer hurts mm-hmm. require a little bit more of a process. So the the, the reach kind of breaks it up. But it is true that there are simpler hurts yeah. that I think are easier with the power of the Holy Spirit just to forgive mm. uh, without having to feel like I need to go through a process. So, again, depends on the level of, of the hurt, the, yeah. the depth of it and... Um, who it was and how long it was and things like that. Yeah. And that, you know, a simple question, I don't know if it's simple, you'll tell me. How do I know that I've forgiven someone? Hmm. That's a good question. How do you know that that you've forgiven someone? I do give a lot of credibility to the the act of the will that how willing am i to offer them forgiveness um in my spirit Um, because if i'm willing but i'm still struggling with feeling it okay i believe you've forgiven them um and even with the example that Troy gave, to feel like, you know, God, I don't know if I can forgive them, but I, I'm willing to start. So, you know, God, I feel like I can forgive 30%, then, you know, help me be able to grow that. To me, then you've started on that journey um, in the way of saying, okay, I, now I have completely forgiven them. I don't know if I I would tend to get too wrapped up in, okay, have I completely forgiven them? Particularly if you're overly conscientious because you're like, well, but maybe I haven't. (laughs) There's still a little bit of hanging on there. Yeah. Uh, But but in the process of forgiving them, I do think you come to a point where you're like, yes, I'm willing to let go of all the bitterness. I, I, I don't desire to get even... I want I want good for them. Yeah. That there's 
there's just this kind of settledness that that you reach. It's hard to quantify. Yeah. It's a good question. Um, you know, I think I'm more interested in are you willing to start the journey uh, than making sure you nail it down like, okay, it's done. Yeah. It's interesting that you've kind of flipped forgiveness on its head instead of, oh, this is a one-time act that you've done to a, no, this is a journey that you will go on. It's healing process that you do. It's not just going to, in a moment, okay, I'm good. You know, all hurt is gone, all is forgiven, and it's like nothing ever happened. But it's that acceptance of, no, I need to start doing this so that I will be there. Yeah. So it's interesting how we've changed that to a unhealthy view of forgiveness, kind of like sure. we talked about. But And, I, you know, I, I think part of it is we we do mix up the the smaller ones with the bigger ones. You know, because if you make a offhanded comment to me and and you're like, Jace, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Okay, easy. In that moment, I can just be like, yes, I forgive yeah. you. And so there are moments where it is kind of, are you going to do it or not? You know. Yeah. Uh, but we just can't get away from the fact that other forgiveness is a process. And so it, it, in many ways, it's not either or. It's not always a process, but it's always it's not always a moment either. Yeah. So then what if you're the offender? Mm. How can you forgive yourself? Does uh. reach <laughs> pertain to your own feelings? Or maybe you haven't even offended someone. Maybe you haven't even done something, but your own sort of... Uh, self is wrapped up in this idea that you are unworthy of forgiveness Mm -hmm. so you can't even forgive yourself for the quote-unquote bad things you've done so does reach talk about that at all so in the book it is specifically talking about others that being said i probably use in a therapeutic way i use it about half the time for self-forgiveness um, which in some ways sounds funny, but it is talking about dealing with that the guilt and shame that we feel for whatever it may be, whether it's an actual, I did something wrong and I'm, I'm having a hard time forgiving myself, or if you're dealing with, with false guilt. And, and honestly, deal with those a little bit differently, because when you have engaged in an offense or done something wrong, I think reach really applies because you identify, okay, this is what I did wrong, Mm -hmm. understanding, you know, am I willing to, you know, offer myself forgiveness? And then my goodness, that committing and holding on to it is so important of reminding when you start feeling like, man, I can't believe I did that to be like, no, I've forgiven myself. God has forgiven me. Um, Perhaps even the other person's forgiven me. I'm going to hold Mm -hmm. on to forgiveness and having to, to, in many ways, remind yourself of that over and, and, and over again. I mean, I, I, I think we have to do that even sometimes with the forgiveness that Christ is. No, he's forgiven me. I, you know, I, I'm washed clean by the blood of Christ because mm-hmm. of what he did. Because, you know, Satan loves to bring up, you know, oh, remember when you did this? I can't believe you did this. Wow, what kind of person would do that? holding on to the forgiveness of Christ and reminding ourselves of it is just as important. So yes, I think false guilt, we deal with a little bit differently when it's just like, man, I just feel guilty. What'd you do wrong? Well, nothing. Or we can't identify anything. (laughs) You deal with that a little bit different because that's dealing more with kind of a a shame issue. And you don't 
you don't want to get caught up in forgiving something that there's not really an offense because mm-hmm. uh, then you're you're creating a problem that's not really there yeah uh, you want to deal more with that that acceptance and grace when you're dealing with shame but if you've got a real offense that you're trying to forgive yourself reach is is great to apply personally as well yeah one uh kind of taking a sidestep here from and when you're going through the aspects of reach when you got to altruistic gift um one of the things you talked about is you know the benefit it is to ourselves and forgiving um and one question that I wonder if you have an answer for. Like, are there, we understand there are psychological and mental benefits and emotional benefits. But, like, are we physically, like, health-wise impacted by holding on to unforgiveness? And is there something healing even physically about forgiving? There are. At the moment, it's one of those things where I have read the research on it. I cannot remember it right now. But there are actually very clear health benefits to I mean, just your physical well-being, mm. uh, illness, um, to be a forgiving person, to you know live in that forgiveness, ultimately that comes from Christ, but to live in forgiveness that brings about better health. And again, I, I can't think of the specific outcomes. Yeah. But yes, it is, it is a tangible benefit mm. to us, uh, as well as to the one you're in relationship with. Yeah. Uh, but definitely to ourselves, it, it, it does benefit your health. Yeah. Um, some other just, you know, well, that's just, that's really interesting to hear that, you know, we often sit in, well, forgiveness frees your mind and it frees your heart. But like, also like, it makes you a healthier person, like physically, like you yeah. become healthier for this. Yeah. That's interesting. One of the, uh, uh, in my studying, I looked at what a lot of, uh, you know, people who knew what they were talking about or people who didn't, what they defined, um, yeah. what the attributes of a forgiving person is. And so I have some of those, and I want to hear your thoughts on, um, like, so Princess Diana said uh, the attribute of a forgiver is happiness. Gandhi said it was strength. Bruce Lee said it was courage. Uh, Alexander Pope said it was divinity. Mahavira said it was love. What do you think the attribute of a forgiving person is that we can start to model? Hmm. You know what? There are two words that come to my mind. I think when we are forgiving people, it allows us to be gracious with others and ourselves, and it allows us to have full gratitude to God. So to me, graciousness and gratitude are the words because when I'm able to live in the forgiveness that I have because of Christ, I, I can't help but be so thankful, so so appreciative to God, to Christ for what he has done. And I, I want to always live in that attitude. Oh, wow, I'm, I'm rhyming now. Attitude <laughs> of gratitude towards God and then towards others to be continually gracious to those around me and to myself. Because there is that dynamic of, you know, if I'm not gracious to myself, I'm not going to be gracious to you because I'm being overly critical to myself. That's going to spill out into that. So, 
graciousness and gratitude are the yeah. are what I would mm. would yeah. would label there. Yeah, I like that. Um, so to try to get into more uh, knowing the man sitting in front of us, um, a couple just. Uh, why is this something that you are passionate about? Why is this something that you know is worth learning about? What's the point of understanding forgiveness? When people's relationships with others or with themselves is is unsettled, life is unsettled, uh, mm. and yeah, as I work with people professionally, you know, that, that unsettledness with yourself and with others just creates such turmoil, uh, which is why I have found forgiveness just to be such an important part of the conversation. You know, most people when they come in for counseling aren't saying, hey, I want to work on forgiveness. You know, I'm going to work on this depression and anxiety or this relationship problem. Um, and I just over and over find this topic of, of forgiveness and how do you do it and how do you forgive yourself and how do you forgive others just to be such a crucial part of of healing because it it, it puts you back just as forgiveness puts us in right relationship with God it allows us to be in right relationship with ourselves and others so I just find it to be such a key ingredient in people being healthy uh, yeah. and, and so that's it, it's one of those things uh, not that they teach you that necessarily in grad school you know when <laughs> in my master's or doctorate we didn't really focus on forgiveness but mm. um it's one of those things that just i realized and then encountered and then studied and read and see it just being so applicable to all of our lives yeah how has it personally transformed you to me it's i i can't help but think of just living within a family with with you know in, in the home that i'm in which i have a wife and two children it's it's continually needing to either ask forgiveness or to forgive um, and in the moment, well, let me, to step back from it, in many ways, it's never a big deal, but every time it's there, if I don't respond with forgiveness or not, it will become a big deal, um, because I just don't want bitterness in my relationship. So in many ways, I mean, there's a situation this morning even uh, where it, it it was it was a very important part of a conversation where we won't name any names where <laughs> one person made a mistake uh, and said something very offensive and there was an apology and you know at that moment there was a choice of what do I say do you just be like oh, it's no big deal no it was important to say no I forgive you. Mm -hmm. um for the health of the family that was those were such important words to say so in many ways it, it it becomes a a way of keeping life 
healthy in in the family yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, do you think that is different? And uh, do you think forgiveness looks different in marriage and loving, committed relationships? Does that need to look different, and does it look different? Um, I don't. I don't know if it's different as much as it's just more frequent. Um, I mean, because my goodness, I I could think very painfully about a situation where uh, this is a couple years ago, where I shared something uh, with someone else that I shouldn't have. <laughs> it was it was within the church context, and I remember seeing that person. And having to apologize, and it—I mean—it was painful, but it was important, and it was healing. Um, but in many ways, I do that all the time within my family. Meaning, yeah. within the marital context, it happens a lot more frequently. But it's the same dynamic with my friends. I just don't have as many opportunities yeah. to offend them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's more about frequency. Um, than it is about it's it's different. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there's a level of intimacy there, which makes it, in many ways, easier to accidentally step on the other person, figuratively speaking, you know, and offend. But I don't know if it, it's really yeah. different quantitatively or, yeah. or qualitative. I don't know which word, but yeah. I don't know if it's really that different. It's just more frequent. Yeah. So what is the point of forgiveness in the church, though? I'm curious about how we can be better stewards of that and how, uh, as a community, right, maybe there are obviously individual interpersonal relationships, but how, as a community, can we begin to forgive each other? Man, and the first thing that comes to my mind, going back to that second part of the model, is that empathizing is... This idea, and, and, and this that triggered a thought in me, of giving other people the benefit of the doubt, you know, assuming the best, that when I'm offended by someone in the church, because it happens, uh, and it is easy, it's easy particularly if they're not maybe in my closest circle, but extended circle, just to stay away from them and mm-hmm. assume the worst. And I think within the church context, it's so important to give the benefit of the doubt. Um, There's a concept, this is going into marital therapy. It's this idea of being open. Healthy marriages or healthy relationships are one where you're open to being influenced by the other person. Hmm. Meaning their perspective can influence me. Doesn't mean I have to take their perspective all the time, but I'm always open to, okay, I want to be open to your perspective. I see it this way, but you're seeing it that way. What you're saying may be reasonable. And to always have that attitude, particularly within the body of Christ, of, okay, you see it differently, that may be reasonable. As opposed to, you see it differently, I can't believe that. That's (laughs) just completely wrong. So to be open to being influenced by the other person open to seeing the other person as okay maybe maybe they're right maybe they're seeing something i'm not seeing maybe the perspective they have is important sure they may not be handling it the best way but i want to humanize them i want to recognize god's given them a perspective that i don't have 
uh, and maybe there's something I can learn from this. I think that that is so crucial within the body of believers. And then to engage in a discussion as opposed to just being like, well, I'm not going to talk to them anymore. Yeah. You know what? I'll just keep them at a distance. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is essentially we have to drop our assumptions at the door for, I guess, lack of a better colloquialism. Like, is that is that essentially what you're saying is like when we come into those conversations, we can't come in with any preconceived notion of who the other person is or the assumptions we have about them. Is that what you're saying? Or? Uh, yeah. I think when the preconceived notion falls into that category of just, well, you're wrong you're, or you're, you're way off as opposed to saying coming in with that idea of, Maybe you, you're seeing something that I'm not. Yeah. Um, so with that that openness to okay, I I want to understand you as a person, you how God's working in your life. You know, understand you why this is important to you. Yeah. You know, I I've used this example a lot. I remember my mother-in-law when I would drive. When she would be in town, she, she lives out of state. So anytime she was in town, when I would drive, and I'm a good driver. <laughs> I, I've never had been in an accident. Yeah. I've never had a ticket. Um, wow. And again, I, I mean. That, What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> all that to say, so I, you know, I, you know I, I'm very prideful in some ways about my driving. Like, I'm a good driver. Yeah. yeah. But it, when she would visit, as I would drive, she would be like, and like grab and reach, you know, like, you know, and I'm just in my mind, I'm like, calm down. I know what I'm doing, you know. And then I remember having a conversation with her that early on in her childhood, she was in a bad car accident. Gotcha. Yeah. And that softened my attitude because, like, okay, I was just reacting to her behavior, you know, yeah. of, you know, of, you know, being tense. And then when I find out that that tension has nothing to do with me, it has to do with just, her experience makes her more tentative in a car. It doesn't matter who's driving. And and so that helped soften my attitude because I was able to well, empathize with her behavior. I don't like it, but it helps me understand her as a person. It humanizes her as opposed to just seeing, you know, oh, this is about me. If yeah. you really trusted me as a driver, you wouldn't act that way. Yeah. But yeah. it has nothing to do with me. Yeah. And, uh, also, in a different step in a Christian context, what if we have projected that God is the one who has wronged us? How can we, I don't know, forgive God, for lack of a better term? Like, what if I, you know, have mm. began to believe that it's God's doing that caused this traumatic experience and caused this hurt? How do I walk through the healing of that? Yeah. Yeah, which... My goodness, I mean, that, that, that's a <laughs> clearly the idea of forgiving God doesn't quite fit. Yeah. You know, because that would assume God <laughs> is doing wrong. To me, that, that is where Psalms, Lamentations comes in because there is such freedom in the Bible for people to wrestle with hurt and God, why did you allow this 
to happen? Why? Where? Where were you? You were silent. You didn't intervene. Where were you? And to me, part of the healing is that is recognizing there is a freedom to wrestle with that as opposed to have to suppress that and say, no, don't think that, don't feel that. Um, but that God wants us to engage with him honestly. He wants to work with where we are in our pain, not, hey, you need to get rid of that hurt, get rid of that you know, frustration, and then come to me. He's like, no, come to me with it. And that honestly, that's where I then like, in those times in my life where it has felt so confusing why God has not answered this prayer, God has not delivered me from this, or things are going this way, I love to use the Psalms now for prayer. And I I mean, I, I read them as my prayer. I'm like, oh, this is exactly <laughs> what I'm feeling. Mm, yeah. And if clearly, if it's in the Bible... I can pray this. I can say, God, you know, where were you in this time? Why? And and then to allow that process because I've gone through that as well, and that was a couple-year process of God answering that. Mm. Um, And so creating the space for people to get there, Uh, first to be able to express it and then allowing them to wrestle with it while they wait for God to begin to bring some some clarity um and when i say clarity i don't mean always a neat little packaged answer as much as i mean a deeper understanding of who god is and what he may be doing yeah i like that well cool yeah i have as we come to uh trying to wrap this conversation up um two of the things i want to ask you first um, is there a question that you wish you would have been asked or an answer you wish you could have given or something else you wish you could have added that we that you did not get to at this point? There's nothing I could think of at the moment. <laughs> Nothing's popping up in my mind. No, I can't think of it. All right, cool. There we go. Wow. So we're just great at our job. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> They're good questions. Yeah. Um, so a question that we like to end on, because you have an apparent awareness of this, is that as a species and as a people, we are often uh, find ourselves hopeless. And so in this specific lesson of forgiveness and healthy forgiveness, where can we find hope in this as a people? Our hope... First of all, and as as basic as it sounds, has to be in Christ. You know, if there is no the forgiveness that Christ gave us is what makes us right with God. Without that forgiveness, human forgiveness, which is fine and nice, it makes life a little bit easier. It doesn't mm-hmm. really accomplish anything eternal so first of all it is because of christ and what he did on the cross and that his forgiveness for us is complete i don't want to get away from that that the forgiveness what he does in making us a new creation is complete it's not partial forgiveness it's not um we need to 
keep coming back to be completely forgiven. I understand as we identify sin or when we do mess up, yes, we have to come back. Yeah. But it, it, it's not about because what start where it started wasn't enough. That's just because we recognize, oh, wow, I don't want anything to be between me and God. But there is a completeness in what Christ has done that then makes this human forgiveness with one another possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, there's something encouraging about hearing the stories of others who have been able to live in forgiveness that says, you know what, if God was able to do that with them, they can do that in me. Probably the, the, the book that always comes to my mind, uh, it's called uh, Amish Grace. Uh, mm. It's the story... Man, I don't remember how long ago. It's probably been 20 years ago now um, in an Amish community where the the local milkman, who wasn't Amish, he was just a man in the community, but brought them milk. Um, unfortunately, with what was going on in his own life, uh, got a gun, went to uh, the Amish schoolhouse where you know there were kids, sent out all the boys, um, you know, was going to assault the girls through some quick acting of the teacher. Um, some escaped, and he ended up uh, shooting, I forget how many, eight of them, and then killing himself. Mm. Um, just a horrible, horrible tragedy. But immediately, the Amish, that Amish community surrounded his wife and children helped pay for the funeral, brought meals to the family. Like, their immediate reaction was, well, we can't hold bitterness in our heart. Christ has forgiven us. Um, And and that example of how they showed grace in a situation where they had every right to be bitter, every right to be like, okay, we need a long time before we, you know, immediately people in the community loving his family doing things sacri- sacrificially for this man's family who had caused such pain and anguish. That idea that, you know what, if God can do this through others, maybe he can do it in me. And so there, to me, that's where the, the hope of the community uh, of believers is, as we, as we see other people where, that God has brought them through that, okay, maybe he can do that in me too. Yeah. Wow, that's oh. awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for joining us, yeah. Dr. Gunter. Yeah. We appreciate uh, you being here. Um, if you'd like to connect with us, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at OKC Trinity. You can also catch the church's live stream every Sunday. Um, and you can also see Dr. Gunter again later this season. That's so right. We'll have him on again. Yeah, we're going to be talking season. about mental health. Yes. Uh, which I feel so. like we talked a little about about in this but we're going to do a little bit of a deep deeper yeah. dive into that so we're very excited for that so we appreciate you listening to us and we will see you in two weeks time bye awesome. see you